Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, April the 9th, 2022. It is currently 10, 12 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. There's a lot of things we could talk about. Every day I have a stack of stuff and I just have to choose, okay, we're going to talk about this or we're going to talk about that. Sometimes I talk about things and a lot of you are interested in it. Sometimes I talk about things and only a very few are interested about it. But hopefully there's always something for everyone and we keep you informed. Hopefully we challenge you. We definitely try to do that and we try to get you to think. And I hope that we accomplish those things in some way, shape, or form. But I woke up this morning and I was like, what do we do today? All right. We're going to start our live broadcasting around 10 a.m., we're going to be doing different live broadcasts maybe throughout the day. So so what do we start with? And I decided to start with a subject that I've seen article after article after article about. And up to this point, I've kind of just ignored. I've kind of just said, you know what, I, 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 I'll get to that at some point. I wonder, I wonder how pressing this really is. I wonder how many people would actually even be interested in the topic, but more and more podcasts, more and more articles are being written about it. So I figure it is time to do just that. Now, as you probably know, we have a series that I call Eye on Christianity. And that series is dedicated to me to putting my, or in a sense, taking my eye and looking in at what's going on in the world of Christianity and talking about it. The Eye, the eye on Christianity series, you can find that on the Church One app. Um, it's all right there. I don't even know how many episodes are in it right now. But just whatever's going on within Christianity, I can talk about it and put it in that series. So it's easy for you to find all of those discussions. So we're going to add to that series now a discussion about the metaverse. The metaverse and how the metaverse could possibly impact the future of the church. So, what is the metaverse? And is it poised to obliterate the church? Is it poised to obliterate mega churches? How will it impact small churches? How will the metaverse impact the church or will it have any impact at all? Like, is this. Is this something that people are concerned about, but maybe it's more hype and paranoia than it is anything that we should be actually concerned about? Or maybe those who are not really worried about it, are they missing what is coming? So we're going to have a discussion about it. And here's the reason why. Let's see, what, what's the date? On Friday, April the 8th, so yesterday. The Christian Post posted an article called, What is the Metaverse and is it poised to obliterate the me- uh, to obliterate megachurches? Now, I'm going to read a little bit from the article, but then I noticed that they embedded in the article, well, a podcast, the Christian Post podcast, and they did an episode on what is the metaverse and is it poised to obliterate megachurches? So they posted an article. Really, the article is there to promote the podcast episode. I understand how that works. Um, and okay, we have a we have an article. We have a podcast. It's on the Christian Post. So let's let's talk about it. I, I'm going to go into this and remember this is how this works, just so that people know. I haven't listened to the podcast episode first. I know that that technically that's what I'm supposed to do, right? I'm going to review it. The, the, the prevailing theory is you listen to it first, right? Then you can kind of plan out your response and you, but I, I don't like doing that. I like this to be very real. It's like, Hey guys, did you see this podcast that just got posted? Hey, let's review it together. Let's analyze it together. So I never know where it's going. So I don't know what their perspective is. I'm going to go into this with, okay, metaverse, of all the issues facing the, the, the church, of all the issues facing, and I'll just speak of the American church, of all the issues facing the American church, if I was to make a list, right, the number one issue, the number two issue, the number three issue, would the metaverse even appear on a list, even if I listed 20 things, would it even appear in the top 20? Would it even appear in the top 30, 40, 
50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100? Would I even show up on any list? I mean, how concerned are you? Like, is your church meeting together going, okay, guys, look, we've got a lot of issues facing the church, and we've got to talk about what's our plan? How are we going to handle the metaverse? I would think that the average Christian sitting in the pew probably have not even thought about this. Now, it may be that's a negative thing. It may be that nobody's thinking about it sitting in the pew. Maybe nobody's even thinking about it standing behind a pulpit. But maybe this is something that we should be concerned about. So we're going to give the Christian Post every opportunity to explain to us why this should be important, why it's significant enough to get an article, and why it's significant enough to get a podcast episode. And then we'll we'll draw some conclusions. But here's how they approached it, all right? Um, again, Friday, April the 8th, 2022, headline, what is the metaverse and is it poised to obliterate megachurches? Please note they focus on megachurches. And then underneath that, there's a photograph of a, a woman standing outside wearing, uh, you know, virtual reality goggles, right? I, I don't know if you've seen the virtual reality goggles. Uh, now, I'm, I'm assuming that the that the the fact that the picture is taken outside is is it supposed to represent that actually she's standing in her house, and then that the picture outside is supposed to represent what she's seeing in a in, in her virtual reality goggles. That would. That would make more sense to me because if she's outside, I, I don't know. You can interpret the picture a lot of different ways, but you've seen those goggles, right? And I think this is a very much a generational thing. So let's just start here. I think this is very important. Whenever changes occur, you all almost always get that generational divide, right? The older generation is like, I don't know what's going on with the world today, and I don't understand what's happening to, and it, and it sometimes it's a rejection, not not even really based on theology, morality, ethics. It's just a rejection based off generational differences, and that always drives me crazy. I can't stand when someone just rejects something because it's not a, it's not the way it was when they were grow, growing up. Well, the way you, the way it was when you were growing up is over. So you're going to have to get over it and move on. I can't stand that like, well, back in my day, okay, well, it's not your day anymore. It's it's time to move on. Okay? So I'm not a fan of that way of thinking. It's like, okay, it things change. So sometimes there's a rejection of things simply based off that's not the way we did it. And I I'm not a fan of that. But I have to be honest with you, and this may be a little bit of that thinking, but whenever I see the commercials or photographs of someone sitting in their house with a pair of VR goggles on, you, you, you do have to kind of look at it going, what in the world is going on? And I know that's somewhat of a generational thing because people who were older when I was younger and were sitting there playing video games, they were probably thinking, what are you doing? Back in my day, we didn't have video games. We went outside and climbed trees. What are you doing, right? So every generation has that way of thinking. It just looks a little silly with the VR goggles, but okay, whatever. But how are these VR goggles, virtual reality goggles, are they a threat to the church? Are they a threat to mega churches? What do they even have to do with church? Well, so here we go. Here's what they've written. In a recent article on the Christian Post, uh, one of the reporters posed a fascinating question. Will the metaverse end the megachurch? So see, in a past article, I told you, I keep seeing article after article about this. They posed the question, will the metaverse end the megachurch? So so there, there is at least some thinking about the possible impact of this. So, the person who wrote that article um, joins uh, the host of the Christian Post podcast to discuss this very issue. He explains the metaverse, how churches are using it, and his predictions surrounding what might happen to the megachurch complexes and our increasing turn towards technology. All right. So we're going to listen to this. Now, first of all, I would just challenge you. If you have the Edify Christian Podcast app, subscribe to the Christian Post podcast. If you do not have the Edify Christian Post, if you don't have the Edify podcast app, you, I would challenge you to download it. Again, that's called the Edify, E-D-I-F-I, the Edify Christian podcast app. They have like 2 million Christian podcasts. We're on there, Theology Central. We're on there. 
So subscribe to us if you download it. You may want to just look around lots of content. I don't agree with all the theology of the content. It's a very open platform. You don't have to sign any theological statement uh, to be on that platform, but there's just so much, and you can always find something to listen to. But the Christian Post podcast is on the Edify Christian Podcast app. And if you can't, if you don't want to download the Edify Christian Podcast app, probably wherever you get your podcast, if you do a search for the Christian Post podcast, you can find it. I would definitely challenge you to download it and subscribe just so that you can well, keep up with what they're talking about. But here we go. We're going to review what they had to say in regards to the metaverse and their predictions. Now, it's only about 13 minutes long, so it should not take us long, but I'm just curious to see what they have to say. I don't know what they... I don't know what they're going to say. I have no idea which direction they're going to go. I'm, I think, and I'm just going to make a prediction here, based off the fact that the Christian Post has already posted an article about this. Now they're doing a podcast about this and bringing that reporter on. There's a couple of things I can I can probably I can try to I can try to I can try to think about where they're going. If they've if they've done this much content about it. They must see something in their data showing that there's a lot of interest about it, right? Because typically if they, if, they, if they post an article and nobody's reading it, nobody's talking about it, then most likely they're not going to then do a podcast about it. So I'm assuming that they saw something that there was a lot of interest or they have very, 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 very strong feelings that this is a potential threat or could do potential damage to the future of the church. That's where I'm thinking they're going. We, we will see. Are you ready? Here we go. The Christian Post podcast. Again, it is available on the Edify Christian Podcast app. Right? Hopefully I studied that correct the first time. And uh, they're talking about the metaverse. And will it destroy? Will it obliterate? Will it end the megachurch? Let's see what they have to say. I'm Billy Hollowell, and welcome to the Christian Post podcast. Today, we are welcoming back Leonardo Blair to talk about a fascinating story, the metaverse, and not just the metaverse. And don't worry, if you don't know what the metaverse is, we will get into that, but also the mega church and how the metaverse and the church are meeting one another in a really intriguing way. Leonardo, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me again, Billy. All right, so we've got to dive into this, and I laugh because I know there are a lot of people out there who are probably like, uh, I don't really know what the metaverse is. And so we're going to start there, but you have a new article. It's called, it's titled, Will the Metaverse End the Megachurch? Which is a really interesting question. But before we get into answering that, can you describe what in the world the metaverse is? For sure, Billy. The metaverse... Um is what many in the tech world see as the future of the internet. Um, a Facebook rep whose parent company Meta Platforms is investing heavily in its development um, describes the metaverse as a set of virtual spaces where you can create and explore with other people who aren't in the same physical space as you. Um, it's seen as the next evolution in social technologies and the successor to the mobile internet. Okay, so let's just stop right here. Think of it this way. We have the internet. Typically on the internet, think of it this way. You're sitting in your house, wherever, and you're, on, um, you're either on your phone, a tablet, a laptop, computer, and you're sitting there and you're, you're visiting sites, right? You're going to these different sites. You're looking at these different things. Maybe you're on social media and you're communicating with people, but you're still, you know, you see your computer screen, you see what's on the screen, you're in your house. Well, it, the concept is something like this. Instead of visiting the internet via the screen, you put on virtual reality goggles and in a sense you enter into the screen, right? So now you're, you're, you're in the environment that you're visiting on the internet. You're right there within it. You're there on social media seeing, and you can basically create a virtual reality self and other people create there and you, you're interacting, you, you enter into it virtually. All right. So think about it this way. Now, and I'm just going to go ahead and jump ahead. So that, that's this concept and, and, and companies are investing heavily into it. Is it going to, is it going to, 
you know, how many people are going to pay to get virtual reality goggles so that they can enter into this virtual reality world? Now, it's going to be used for all kinds of things. It's going to be some things it's going to be used for are good. Some things it's going to be used for is bad. That's how it's always worked on the internet. There's good and there's always bad. All right, that, that's always going to be the case. And there'll be different challenges, different temptations that arise from it. We, we can all probably figure that out. But when it comes to the church, so think about it this way. You, I don't know where you're currently listening to me from, but wherever you are, right? You're sitting wherever you are. I'm here in Abilene, Texas. And if we were to put on virtual reality goggles and then go to whichever platform, then in a sense, we could meet in that virtual reality, right? So we we, we would enter in. So think of the church. You have people you know, a hundred people, different locations, all putting on their virtual reality. So they all meet for church without leaving their house. They do so in a virtual way. Now, is that going to catch on? Is that going to be destroy then the physical building of the church? Because everyone will meet within virtual reality. They're not going to actually go to a physical location. Is that, is that what's going to happen? Now, some will say, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. It will never happen. But just remember Go, you know, or do this. When you get ready to say that's never going to happen, that's ridiculous. You may argue theologically, you may argue biblically, you may say all of those things. But once you're done saying those things, stop and go look in the mirror and just look at how old you are. Okay, because you're from a generation where that, well, you don't have any, I mean, it's something foreign to you, it's something alien to you. But the next generation, the younger children growing up, virtual reality is not going to be this foreign, alien, crazy concept. It's going to become more and more the norm if this technology continues to expand and more and more people adapt it. Let's just say, let's say that happens for argument's sake. Let's say the next generation grows up and that's just, maybe that's how they even go to school. Maybe this just becomes the norm. Well, guess what? That younger generation as they become believers, they're just going to say, well, why wouldn't we use this technology for church? We use it for school. We use it for work. We use it for socializing. We use it for a million things. Why would we not use this for church? In their mind, it would be the logical next step where in your mind, it's something foreign and alien. So we have to realize the potential for a next generation to go, I use virtual reality for everything. And you want me to take the virtual reality goggles off on a Sunday, get in a car, drive 15, 20, 30 minutes to go to a physical building that we're paying all this money to be there? It makes no In their minds, it may not make any sense to them. So just, just keep that in mind um, when, when you, whatever your opinion is. Let's see where, where they go with this. Um, according to one uh, rep, it will feel like a hybrid of today's online social experiences, sometimes expanded into three dimensions or projected into the physical world. So that's really interesting because obviously, like anything else, there's there's going to be good and bad. But it, it almost seems – and correct me if I'm wrong on this – but it almost seems like a merge between real and make-believe in this strange way that you can live this – life out in this place that is not real, but the experience feels real. Is that, is that an accurate explanation of it? I do like that. The virtual reality metaverse is going to be where you're in a sense, there's, there's parts of it that's real. There's parts of it that's not real. And you're living in this world where there's a blurring of the line between what is real and what is not real. So it, so our, is, is it, it could have a profound impact on, how we, how people even define reality and what is real. Hey, I live, this is my world in, in reality, but as soon as I step into the metaverse, well, it feels real. So this becomes an alternate reality. And many people will like that alternate reality better than the reality that they're experiencing. So that means it could be very addictive. I mean, I, mean, I think, I think we need to at least be prepared for this. That can be very addictive. I think of your everyday real life. There's probably things you like about it. There's probably things you're not content about. There's probably things you don't like. And if all you have to do is put on a pair of goggles and you enter into a virtual world, which is, even though it's not real, it feels real. And that reality is far superior to the reality you 
you experience when you take the goggles off, then you're, it's going to be a drug to put those goggles back on. You're going to want to be within that virtual world. You're going to be a want, you're going to want to be within the metaverse. If it feels real and that reality is superior to the reality, the actual reality that you're living here in your life. So you can see the potential addictive nature of it if it if it can live up to that hype of giving you the feeling of reality and that feeling of reality is a better reality than you're currently living this could have profound societal impacts before we even get to the church yeah i mean the the experience is uh you, you know you're 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 definitely going to experience uh the the same emotions that you would as if you were in a physical space but you know the only difference is that you know the space is virtual all right so when we look at the church and we look at um covid a lot happened when you compare where churches were on technology before covid and where they are now. So how how did the pandemic change the way churches engage with technology? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the pandemic definitely changed um, the way churches engaged uh, in a very big way um, in the last two years. It was sort of like a catalyst to um, churches and pastors uh, studies show that just before the pandemic was declared in March 2020, only 22% of pastors live streamed their entire service. All right, now this this is it. This is interesting. I've always said, and I, I joke about it. Okay, I joke about it. Sometimes it offends people, but I but I I do believe this to be somewhat true. I always make a joke that Christianity is always 10 to 15 years behind the rest of the world, right? Now, some people like that and say, well, that's a good thing. Okay, yes and no. Some The church sometimes is try, still trying, they're, they're still doing, I, I will argue in many cases, trying to appeal to the flesh and still doing things that are not necessarily biblical. They're just way behind the times. It's like, hey, we're going to appeal to the young people. And you're looking at it going, okay, which young people? The young people of today are the young people of 15 years ago because you're so far behind. It always comes across cheesy, comes across way behind. I used to make the joke about contemporary Christian music. It's not, it's contemporary, not of the current time. You're following the trend that was popular five, 10 years ago, that Christian music is always, is always, contemporary Christian music is always chasing the sound of what has already come and gone within the world. The world's already moved on to a different trend or a different focus on a specific genre and the church is always trying to play catch up. And it just, sometimes it always feels so cheesy, so out of touch, so far behind. So it's just fascinating to me that we had all of this technology and churches were just like, nah, 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 don't need to worry about it. Nah, 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 not going to worry about it. And then all of a sudden the pandemic happens like, oh, wait, there's this technology. We need, we need it now. I, I don't understand why churches weren't using the technology that was already available to them. I, I don't understand. As soon, I mean, I, I just, I just don't get it. As soon as I realized that I could turn on a microphone, right, and I could start posting things on the internet, talking about doctrine, theology, the Bible, current events, I was like, why wouldn't I? We were a little church in the middle of nowhere, and we we were trying to get our sermons online as soon as we possibly could. Like, like I, I, I didn't. I didn't waste one second. I didn't look around. Well, we're a church in the middle of the country, or in the middle of, of out in the middle of nowhere, West Texas. You know, the churches around here aren't on the internet. Churches around here aren't posting their things on the internet. I'm like, well, why? Why is that? We, we have we we have the same ability, and so it was. So it was like, no, those are for the big churches. Small churches don't do that. So churches are always way behind in technology. Now let's let's apply this to the metaverse. So here's what's going to happen. I think. Churches will fall, will, will typically, will lag behind the culture. So let's say the culture, let's say that there's widespread adapting and accepting of the metaverse technology and use of it. Let's just say that's what happens within the culture. I think we still have to wait and see how many in the culture are going to embrace it. But let's say the culture just goes 
I mean, just full blown, they go in that direction. Boom. It's like, you know, 70, 80% of the culture, you know, has virtual reality goggles and are participating in the metaverse. Then the church will all of a sudden go, oh, we, we've got to catch up. And then the church will run in that direction. So the church will kind of be, play a wait and see game, see what the culture does, and then try to chase the culture. That's typically what happens. I think that's what will happen here. Um, but the church is now ex- it, it has embraced technology because of the pandemic. So maybe they will be quicker to accept this technology. I still think the church will fall, will will lag behind, and then try to catch up. I'm not saying whether the church should use it or not use it. I'm simply stating a fact that the church is always falling behind and always lagging behind, and I've always been baffled by it. I, I mean, every pastor in the world can do what I'm doing. Every pastor in the world can turn on a microphone, go live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and do so for the purpose of edification, discipleship, challenge, information. They, they can be there to, to you know, in a sense, I, and, and again, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word virtually, but I'm going to say uh, they can, help, in a sense, walk with people through everything going on in the world and do so from a biblical theological perspective, and they can do so every day with the use of technology. With the use of technology, pastors don't have to say, well, okay, I'll try to address that on Sunday. You can address it the second something goes on just by turning on a microphone, and very inexpensive that you can do that. So, all right, but church still seems to, to lag behind in that over and over and over again. All right, but let, let, let's continue. And about 10% live streamed just their sermon. Another 41% admitted they didn't post any portion of their church service online, while, you know, 52% said they posted the sermon online after the church service. Compare that to what happened a year later, as described in the 2021 State of Church Technology Report, that shows pastors quickly changed their tune on the use of technology in churches uh, amid the pandemic. A majority of them now embrace technology as an important tool in achieving their mission, and they agree that the digital church is here to stay. Um, Another report also showed that the majority of pastors more than ever are enthusiastic to adopt technology for the long haul. The pandemic has uh, definitely raised any doubts regarding the viability of the digital church. Yeah, that see that's that's really interesting uh, on a variety of levels, right? I mean, all of the things that the pandemic did that were so horrific, and all the changes that have happened. But it is really encouraging to see the church adapting to that. And so, with that with that said, that encouragement. I want to talk first about some of the benefit benefits of the metaverse because we know again, as I was saying at the top, you know, there are going to be benefits and there are going to be drawbacks, and we've seen some of those drawbacks. We'll get into those in a minute, but what are some of the benefits in general? And as you were just saying, even building on that for the church. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you, you know, in general, for uh, many people, the, the you know, in light of everything, the transition that's taking place uh, in the world today, uh, the the metaverse has become sort of a more convenient way to have an en- enhanced worship experience online uh but you know specifically there are unique benefits to having church in digital spaces for uh different groups of people it's a way for example to reach people who might never set foot in a physical church Um, it could also appeal to individuals with health limitations or people who, uh, you know, today struggle with social anxiety. And that group, you know, because of the uh, technologies that are available, I mean, kids today um, are a lot more socially anxious than, you know, before, ever before. All right, a couple of things here. I do find it interesting that there's always this idea that, okay, look, if we embrace digital church, or in this case, if we embrace this 
virtual reality metaverse church where everyone puts on goggles and then here we all are are we all we're all in this virtual church right i can see the the character you've created your representation of yourself you see mine okay so here's our virtual representations of ourselves inside the metaverse we see each other and we're all there in church okay so we have this virtual reality church there's always this idea that it's going to help reach the unchurched or those who won't step foot in a church. Now, we always make those claims. I think some things live up to the, to, to the hype and some things do not. All In the late 80s, especially in the 1990s, it was stated over and over and over, the way to reach the unchurched is small groups. Have forget going to the church building, have a small group in your home. That is how you'll reach the unchurched. And there are always those, those examples of where supposedly it was working. But if you look at where society has gotten with millions of small groups, with all kinds of curriculum and plans and ideas and strategies and ministries out there trying to tell you how to do the small group, look at where society is after all of those small groups. All of those small groups that's been there. Well, Christians are more biblically illiterate than they've ever been, theologically illiterate, don't know church history, and the culture is moving, is abandoning Christianity at an extremely high rate of speed. People are not reading their Bibles. People are not. I mean, we can go from statistic after statistic after statistic after statistic. Church attendance is dropping in large numbers. So what did, did those small groups actually do what everyone said that they were going to do? They were sold, right? It became an industry. There was a small group group industry built around it. Here's the curriculum. Here's what you do. And I mean, I, I can't even told, be told how many times it was like, if you don't do small groups, it's the end of the world. You have to do small groups. And even pastors, when promoting them, would basically say, look, if you're not doing small groups, then that's where the learning takes place. That's where the growing, they almost basically sold small groups as, I don't even know why we have a church building, because small groups is where everything actually occurs. So I, I heard it sold and promoted but after everything was said and done, going from, say, 1990 to here we are in 2022, did it live up to the hype? So now here, we're, here it's going to be now the metaverse. See, people who won't come to church, they will come to your virtual church. They'll come to your meta church. They'll come to your metaverse church, your virtual reality church. Maybe. I don't know. I think that's a... I think that's a that's a, uh, I think that's a wait and see. That's a wait and see kind of thing. That that's, we'll have to wait and see how how that plays out. I do believe that in some. I I do know this. There, there's one thing that is true. The younger generation today, if they have any questions about the Bible, theology, God, Jesus, sin, heaven, hell, demons, angels, they're not going to pick up the phone and call your church. They're going to go to Google and search and look for information. So the church needs to have their content online because if those people are going to look for it, they're going to, they're, they're going to be looking for a podcast. They're going to be looking for a YouTube video. That's where they're going to be looking. Now, they may watch it and say, these people are stupid and idiots and just reject it anyway, but you at least need to have the stuff out there that people can find. That, that, that part is true, that if the world's going to look for any religious information, they're going to do so online. So the church needs to have as much content online as possible so that there's a chance that they will find your content, find you giving the answers to the difficult questions. So, but I, I don't know, I, the virtual church concept, it's one thing to do a Google search. It's another thing to go, okay, oh, wait, at 10 a.m. on a specific day, I can put on goggles and go to their virtual church. I, 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 don't, I don't know. May, maybe we will see. May, maybe we will see um, if, that it, uh, plan, uh, if that proves to be true. Right, here we go. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the irony of that, as we've talked about before, you have all these tools to connect. You have all this, this ability to communicate with people, and yet – People are struggling more than ever. They're more depressed and alone than ever. Um, so there's there's a lot going on there. Um, yeah, how 
how would you say when you look at when you look at some of the of the stories you've seen and some of the churches you've looked at and and even some of what you were talking about before that there's this enthusiasm for using technology what are some of the specific ways that you've seen with this technology that you've thought were really interesting when it comes to life church and some of the others who are engaging yeah you, you know like i said the uh the 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 church uh for example, in my piece, I highlight the work of not just Life Church, but uh, the work of Bishop D.J. Sato, who has been leading the VR Church since 2016. And it's one of the few prominent congregations in the metaverse. He, he was initially involved with uh, the ministry of a megachurch and planned to plan more physical churches, but pivoted after experiencing growth in the metaverse uh and and craig grosso um his life church you know they have you know about 40 separate physical campuses and you know they own the popular U version bible app um and they've been leading innovation in churches for a while now they decided to um launch their own campus in the metaverse just last year you know, so uh, and and there there's a lot of different ways that churches who were behind in terms of the use of technology that they're now tapping into, you know, simpler technologies. But you know, eventually, um, I think you know, as as the metaverse becomes more accessible, um, a, a lot of the 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 things that people are going to be seen in the metaverse won't materialize um, until about 10 to 15 years. So as 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 these things become more accessible, um, we're going to see, I believe, you know, a lot more engagement in these spaces. So the big question that comes to mind, and I know that people listening are going to think this, it's a question I've had. Can you really create community in a virtual space? And I'm talking about the type of community that the church is called to. Uh, that's okay. Now they kind of seem to, to be at least. Uh, so there are some. Th- there are those within quote unquote Christianity that are embracing this idea, and instead of you know trying to start another physical church or build a, a or buy a physical property and build a physical building, there are those who are now turning to, to the metaverse. Now they're very small in number, but they are there. And they have experienced growth in that. Now, is it enough growth that will it will will this work? Is this the future? It sounds like that the, the individual speaking feels we're ten to fifteen years out. We're ten to fifteen years out. I think, I think five years. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with five years. And here's the reason why. I, okay, the virtual reality technology is is already pretty much in place. So I think in five years we're going to really see either a widespread adapting of said technology or kind of like, okay, it's new, it's new, it's neat, it's cool, but no, thank you. I think we're going to start, I think at about the five-year mark. So, you know, you can count about five years from today, maybe six years, five to six years. I think we're going to get a good, a, a very good, I don't think we're, it's going to take 10 to 15 years. I think in five years, we're going to know because, I mean, obviously that's five years to continue to improve and advance the, the VR technology. So that there be there. All of these companies that are investing heavily in this space, this this virtual reality space, they're either going to continue their investment or decide, mm, this is not really working. This is not going the direction we want. So I think we're I think we're going to we're going to get there. I think we're going to have a pretty good idea in five years. I don't think we're going to have to wait 10 to 15 years. I think we're going to know Now the church may wait 10 to 15 years. But what we need to focus on is not the church. Look at what society is doing. If because whether you like it or not, the church always follows culture in some way, shape, or form. I'm not in any way saying that's a good thing, but I mean, church history always demonstrates this. We we could we could talk about it forever, but I think what we'll see in five years, if the culture is pretty much like boom, metaverse, virtual reality, this is the way to do everything, then it'll take about five years for the church to catch up. Now there'll be those churches that'll be on the cutting edge that will be already moving in that direction, but I, I think it will. Now, 
Now, so so that's that's kind of prediction. Now they get ready to talk about can you have community in a virtual reality church? Now let's stop right here. Okay. This this I hate to say this, but I feel the word community has become one of those terms. It's like the word fellowship. The word fellowship and the word community are words that have bothered me greatly. They almost, I feel like, are just cliches at this point in time. They're just meaningless words that we just throw out there. Fellowship community. Now, I'll start with the fellowship, all right? So I heard this my whole Christian life from the time I uh, I became a Christian as a teenager. Fellowship, 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 fellowship. You need Christian fellowship. Fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. Like, it was the most important thing. Like, you know, you you have God, you have the doctrine of the Trinity, you have salvation, and possibly fellowship is above all of that. Okay, maybe that's a little hyperbolic, but you get the idea. I'm just going to tell you my own personal experience. You may disagree, but that's okay. You can be wrong. I'm joking. All right, here we go. For my whole Christian life, all fellowship has ever meant to me, and the only thing that anyone, the church has ever demonstrated fellowship is, fellowship is nothing more than people getting together for, well, to eat. All right? They get together to eat. Or yeah, basically that's it. Fellowship is getting together to eat. And supposedly this is like the most important spiritual exercise in the history of, of mankind. You have to go to the fellowships. If you don't go to the fellowships, something is wrong with you. And I would be criticized heavily for it within many of the churches I go to that basically, in fact, my ordination, my first ordination, because I, w- I was ordained twice, um, my first ordination was really almost called into quite, they almost they almost were not going to ordain me because I had this very negative attitude about the fellowships. I'm like, wait, so I need to leave my house and go sit with people and eat food and talk about the weather, their new truck, them hunting, football, whatever. Like, and, And if I don't do that, then I'm spiritually going to be compromised. And I kept thinking, what? What I have to go to the church picnic, the church hayride, the church. It's always these activities that clearly almost every single time food's going to be involved. It's going to be a potluck. It's going to be something. It's going to, and, and I'm, and I'm always like, and so I went, I mean, I had to go to all of them. I can't tell you one spiritual benefit that I've ever gained from any of them. Now I look, I got no problem if you enjoy it. I got no problem if you think it's great. This is the way I viewed it before I became a Christian. Yeah, I'd get together with a bunch of friends, right? We may eat, we may watch a movie, we may watch a sporting event, we may we may do whatever. Hanging out with people, yeah, that's a social thing. There's nothing wrong with that. That's fun. That's get together. But we didn't, when I was lost, we didn't sit there and try to somehow convince ourselves that hanging out, talking about whatever, was some deep spiritual exercise that was going to revolutionize our lives. You know, we just, we're just hanging out. So then you become a Christian and now it's basically like, now we hang out, but the way we hang out is different than the way you used to hang. You used to hang out with people, but see, that wasn't spiritual. Now that you hang out as a Christian, dun, 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 that hanging out now is fellowship, fellowship. Cue the angels singing hallelujah, right? Fellowship. And I was like, we're just sitting around eating. The women tend to group together, talking about whatever the women talk about. The men tend to group together, talking about what the men talk about. Either their job, football, car. Next thing you know, the men are out there opening up the hood. Do you see that? I've got I have no interest or care. I don't care what the car is. I don't care. I don't care. Uh, I can talk sports. Yeah, why not? I don't hunt. So, okay, great. You, you, you killed Bambi. Okay, wonderful. Like, I'm just kind of like, all we're doing is just hanging out. Now, every once in a while, typically in every church, especially if you have some men who are thinking about going into ministry or called into ministry, you can usually find a couple of them if, if your church has men who are feel called into ministry and you can get into some serious theological discussions. 
What I've typically found, if you don't have a church of men who feel like they're called to the ministry, so typically, if you want the good theological discussions, you probably have to find the women because they're usually the ones asking deep theological questions, and actually, you will have a theological discussion. Typically, what I have seen, which is just crazy, but the point is, it's just hanging out, but it's like fellowship. So then at some point, we transition from the word fellowship to the word community. Community is deeper than fellowship. And we can't, you cannot make it without community. Community. And then you started hearing community, 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 community. And it was you, it's like a buzzword everywhere, right? You see it on church web. It's like the marketing. It's like, it's like, here's, it's like you go to your mailbox, right? And there it is. You get the memo. All right, you're like, well, okay, okay, attention, attention, all churches, start using the word community. Start advertising it on your church website. Speak of the importance of community from the pulpit. We need community. We need community. And then I would be like, okay, so what is community? Well, you start digging into it. In many cases, community means small groups. So, yeah, the church is okay, but it's not going to really give you what you need. You need community. See, just showing up to church is not enough. That that there, there's something missing. That's not really going to work. We just kind of show up and we kind of leave. We need community. All right, so what is community? All right, well, you have church, but now we need another night of the week where everybody leaves their house or and goes to someone else's house. Now we don't go to the church building that we're paying who knows how much for. We we abandon that because we can't meet in the church, because I don't know why. We got to meet in someone's house, and then here's what community is supposed to be. Oh, oh we're going to eat. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. So there's the fellowship part, because we have to eat. We may sit around talking, and then maybe we'll sing a song or two, maybe a hymn, maybe a praise song. Then, oh, wait, we're going to do a Bible study. We're going to do a Bible study. Now, the difference with the small group is now everyone supposedly is to participate, and that everyone can be more open and share, and that supposedly this is radically different than coming to church and hearing the Bible taught. So then when you go to a small group, you have your meeting, then, then afterwards you can sit around and talk a little bit, and then you go home. Now, typically what I've seen is either A, I start, because I've seen people go to these churches who participate in these things, they start complaining that, man, I got to go to small group tonight, and it's my house tonight, and we got we to do all, we got to get, I got to get everything clean, and we got to get the food ready. Oh, it's such a hassle. I'm like, oh, wait, I thought community was supposed to be changing your life. So I either see people complaining about it or hear all the horror stories that the small groups now were basically formulating that they were now going against what the pastor was teaching. So then the pastor has to come back and try to bring in the small groups to get them under control. So then he has to monitor what they're teaching. It's just like, I've seen just horror stories after horror stories, but it's like, this is community. So, So community basically is forget the church, Go meet in your house with a smaller group of people, and then that's spiritually transformative. I'm not saying that there's never anything beneficial from it, but it's just we take these phrases, fellowship and community, and we act like that that's the answer. That's the answer to everything that we're going to, everyone's going to be, it's going to be transformative. And I just don't, so, so obviously, because the church is so talk about community, then the great concern will be, well, if we do the metaverse, if we're going to go to the metaverse, can we do community? Can we do community? Because we have to have community, because if we don't have community, I don't know, it's all going to, our entire spiritual lives are going to collapse and and implode in on themselves. Now, I, I want to make this very clear. I'm not saying that you cannot create situations that can be very beneficial spiritually. You can. I just think that sometimes we, we just create, we just follow a trend, fellowship or community. We, ha- we create basically another activity that people have to schedule uh, around all of the other things they're doing. And sometimes it just seems like all we're, we're just kind of really doing the same thing. We're just calling it a different name. We're just meeting in a different location. We may just be doing a smaller number, but in reality, are we doing anything that drastically different than what it means to come to church, praise, prayer, worship, preaching, teaching? Like, are, are we really, you know, it's just, it's just, I just feel like, 
I feel like Christians are always are never content and always pursuing that next thing. It's always like, I just need, we just need something else. It's always like we need something else. Like it's like Christ and his word is not sufficient. We need something else. We need something else. It's like people just I, I don't I don't know what people need. I don't know what people want. But I, I've seen all the programs come. I've seen all the programs go. And again, I will just argue with you. We've seen all of these programs. We've seen fellowship. We've seen community. We've seen all of this. We've seen the marketing campaigns. We've seen the industry that built that's built around these things where they sell all of the stuff you need to have good community or good fellowship. I've seen all of it. Here we are in 2022. Look at the statistics. Bible engagement, collapsing. Theological knowledge, gone. Biblical literacy, skyrocketing. Church uh, history, what is that? Sin, struggle, difficulty. I mean, it just, we've tried everything. And I, sometimes I just think that, I, I just think that we're, we're, we're always looking for that magic bullet to fix everything. That I have to have this. Without this, I don't know what's going to happen to my Christian life. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, it just seems like everything is just another, it's like, it's, it's almost like in the, in the secular world, right? You've got to create, you create the idea that you need this. Then you build an industry to give everyone what they supposedly need. And usually what happens is the people who supposedly need it, they get it. Whether it really has, actually does anything for them is irrelevant because someone out there is making millions and millions and millions of dollars. We see it with the conference industry, right? Within the church world, you need to go to a, a conference because it will revive you. It will, it will change your Christian life. So people pay hundreds of dollars to go to a, a conference to hear someone preach God's word because the preaching of God's word in their church is not sufficient. The study of God's word on their own is not sufficient. So pay hundreds of dollars. There's always like we create these, like an industry, and then we market it as if you need it. I wonder how much things happen in the church is simply marketing the next new, the next new thing. And is virtual reality going to be that? Well, if you're going to have virtual reality right now in our, in our, in the church culture, you better mention community because if you don't, well, then you, 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 that's that's the thing everyone supposedly needs right now until we move on to the next big marketing campaign. But let's see what they have to say about the virtual world and community. The question that people are going to have, there's been a lot of skepticism when it comes to online church, for instance, that great, you're getting the sermon, but are you getting the community? Do you believe there's a way to recreate that type of community in these virtual spaces? I think humans have always been highly adaptable and if the pandemic has taught us anything it's shown us that community in a virtual space is entirely possible it may not necessarily be um you know the the same way um that you know the, the same culture that we're used to you know we shifted from you know riding horses to driving cars um but I've seen so many church communities grow on social platforms like Facebook and Zoom and Clubhouse. Uh, you, you, you know, I, I myself, um, I've, I've been engaged with, um, you know, a prior, a global prayer community on Zoom on the weekends. And, um, you, you know, one of the things people stress is that God is not restricted by time or space. So I, I think the the kind of restrictions people kept on 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 their outlook on 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 what is acceptable worship, you know, a lot of that be, we were forced to 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 drop them during the pandemic, and and we we were seeing. Um, a lot of what's possible now. Okay, so here's the last question for you, and it's a big one. Will the metaverse end the megachurch as your title questioned? Ah, that's a good question. And my answer to that is um, just based on the current trends alone, I'd say yes. Um, physical church attendance uh, was basically going down before the pandemic hit. And things have only gotten worse since the pandemic. Uh, past 
Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step in here. You can go listen to the rest. You can go listen to the rest. I'll just throw in because we're at 54 minutes. Now, his, his answer is only less than a, about a minute long, but you can go listen to the rest of what he has to say. Here's what I will say. I don't, he, he's attached, he's, he's saying the metaverse is going to end the megachurch, and that's the prediction. But then he starts talking about church attendance. I don't think the metaverse has anything to do with church attendance. I don't even think digital church has anything to do with church attendance. I think church attendance is dropping and will continue to drop. Now, this comes down to your eschatology. I believe because there, there, there's going to be a continuing falling away, that the church is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and that it, it's just going to be, that's, that's where people are going to turn away from the faith and turn away from Christianity in ever-increasing numbers. Has nothing to do with the metaverse. Has nothing to do with the digital church. Has nothing to do with sermons being online. People are just going to walk away from the faith in growing numbers. I think there's going to be an ever-increasing apostasy. That apostasy will be within the church. Churches are going to get worse. I've even said it before. If if we we understand, because we, we, we often ignore this, but let me let me go to it really quick. I talk about this all the time because I think it's so important. If I can find it really quick. If we go to uh, if we go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This also know that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, boasters, proud, blasphemers, uh, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heavy, uh, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Now, if you start reading that, typically a lot of preachers preach that as this is what the world is going to be like. This is what the world is going, the world's going to get worse and worse and worse. And I argue that 2 Timothy 3 is not describing the world, it's describing the church. And here's the reason why, because it describes them as being lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. When has the world ever loved God more than pleasure? That's not describing the culture. That's describing the church. The church is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And here's what I think is going to happen. The church, I think this is what we have to prepare. If we believe that this is true, this is actually going to occur, and that there's actually going to be a time where this is fulfilled in a clear, literal way, then I believe what's going to happen is there's going to become a day that Christians are going to wake up. And the church is no longer going to be a place they can go because the church is going to be so corrupted so that many Christians are going to find themselves without a church. The church is going to be corrupt. The church is going to be a mess. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not saying that that's going to be true of every church. I'm saying that's going to be the predominantly the church is going to be apostate. The church is going to be corrupt and that's going to leave Christians with where do I go? And therefore technology may become very important to them. So I think churches are going to continue to go downward because one, there's a growing just turning away from the things of God. That's going to continue. And the more people turn away from the things of God, then these big churches are not going to be able to sustain. They're not going to be able to maintain their large buildings and all of the money that goes into them. So I think mega churches will begin to go away. I think slowly but surely over the next 10 years, I think many mega churches are going to close their doors because they're not going to be able to sustain the, the they're not going to be able to sustain them because of the money that's required to keep them operating. They're going to go away. Now, what will happen to and then I think in the next five to ten years, I think we're going to see more and more churches become more and more apostate. So that's going to leave a lot of people without a church. And I think there will be some strong. I hope and pray and I believe that there will be strong smaller churches because the mega churches will just not be able to sustain to sustain themselves. I don't know if the meta I don't think the metaverse is going to be the thing that people like, oh, I'm not going to go to church anymore because I have the metaverse. I think a, a lot because I think of what we've seen even with digital church. Now here's what we th- I think we've seen. This is very important. A lot of people say, "You know what? I'm not going to church anymore." I'm not going to go to an actual church location anymore because either I can't find a good church or whatever the case may be. They've, they've decided they're just going to turn to online church, right? Digital church. Now, a lot of people criticize the, the fact that people do that. I can understand that. But here's what I think we're seeing. More and more people who supposedly were going to turn to online church, very quickly, 
become people who are not really participating in any meaningful way with online church. In other words, they're not listening maybe when things are live, they're not participating, and then slowly but surely, they become disengaged and not doing anything. I think that is what we're, I think that's, so I don't think it's digital church and metaverse that's the problem. I think there's just a spiritual apathy and spiritual complacency and a, and a moving away from the things of God that's going to continue to be widespread inside the church. That's where I think, I think the, I think it's a spiritual issue more than it's a technological issue. I think if you look at the church, there's a, there's a spiritual apathy, complacency, and apostasy that is spreading through the church. And which goes with Second Timothy 3. That's what we're going to see happen. So people are going to be leaving the church, and, and we may want to blame. It's technology. Get rid, of, get rid of digital churches. Don't post your sermons online. Get rid of the metaverse. And boom, we, we can get everything back. No, this is a spiritual issue. This is a spiritual issue. And I think this is what it comes down to. People are always, when they realize that something is just not right with them spiritually, they always want to find a solution. And typically the solution is never, I need to acknowledge my sin, acknowledge where I am spiritually, and get back to the things of, you know, repentance, praying, praying, scripture, getting back to Bible study. We're always looking for the next new thing that will fix my spiritual problem. I think I think all the things that the church tries is to is a an attempt to fix people's spiritual problems, but it never really does so. You can generate a little bit of buzz and excitement with your next new idea, your next new ministry, your next new program, and you can generate a little bit of buzz, but the real issue is people's spiritual condition and their spiritual apathy, complacency, deadness, worldliness, ungodliness, whatever the case may be. And I think it rarely has anything to do with technology. It has to do with what's inside of us. So there you have it. They um, they think the metaverse will. You can go listen again. That's the, the, uh, the Christian Post podcast. It's on the Edify Christian Podcast app, or you can get it wherever you want. You can go to the Christian Post. You can listen to it right there. They've embedded the podcast there. Um, and uh, you can you can listen to his his last mi- two minutes and see what he has to say. But um, there you have it. I, I I really can't add more to this discussion. I think that um, I think technology can be used. I I think uh, I think we obviously I I do believe that the Bible would seem to call for an actual physical church. I think the Bible seems to call for that, and that we meet together there. Some people think that that, they, that that accomplished through online. Some people will say, well, I can do as much online as we do physically. I understand that. Um, I Put it this way. A lot of people who complain, and I'm going to say this because I, th- I think this needs to be said. A lot of people who complain that all you do is go to church, you sit there, listen to a sermon and leave, and nobody really engages, no one really talks to one another, so then they believe that we need it in small groups to, to, to make that happen, and everyone always thinks that that's the solution, and you look at the small groups and what you show up, and oh, wait, you listen to someone teach the Bible, oh, and you leave. It really doesn't. There's, a, there's been all kinds of ways through technological developments that you could have people engaging with one another checking on one another, encouraging, challenging, things like Discord. You can create a Discord channel. You can have, we have a Discord channel, right? You can get people there, but you can, you can create Discord channel and nobody will participate. Nobody will, nobody will talk about the sermon. Nobody will talk about anything. Nobody will talk about anything, doctrine, theology. You just can't get anyone to participate. Well, then that's because it's something inside of people. Everyone thinks that they can, that the, the next, this next thing will fix it. The issue is people won't do what they don't want to do. And you can create all the programs in the world and you can't fix it. The issue is typically always something inside of us and our heart. And so um, I think that, I think sometimes we look for all of these new things to fix that problem and it will not. I don't know what, uh, how much virtual church is going to catch on. I just think it's going to be, uh, it'll be five years. We'll get an idea what the culture is going to do. And then about five to, about five to 10 years later, the church will finally catch up. And it's going to be the younger generation 
who grows up basically, if the society embraces virtual reality, grows up basically living in virtual reality. And well, then in their minds are going to be, well, why wouldn't that include church? And the older generation is going to be like, what are you doing? And uh, how that all plays out, we'll have to see. Who knows? Maybe the younger generation who grows up with it will be the generation who rebels against it. The younger generation may go, you know what? I'm I'm tired of living in this virtual reality where all of a sudden it may, there'll be a generation at some point saying, you know what? Let, forget this. And they will rebel against it and then go back to a non-virtual reality world. Who knows? Wherever, put it this way, wherever the people are, Christians need to be there preaching and teaching and, and giving as much a theological worldview as much as possible. That's one thing I think we can all agree on. All right. We'll stop right there. You can tell me what your thoughts about any of this. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I'm sure I've said plenty of things that people will disagree with. But uh, yeah, I think there's. I think this brings up lots of issues. And uh, if we need to, to focus in on one of those issues, we will. But we're already at an hour and five minutes. So let's stop. All right. Everyone have a great day. Email me. God bless.